0: And welcome to the inaugural episode of Third Mantle Podcast. My name is Shem Hanks.
1: I'm Brad Roberts.
0: And we can't believe it ourselves. We are your hosts for this particular episode. For those who don't know, and if you are listening because this is the first time, you probably don't know the... Greatest NFL franchise of all time is the Denver Broncos. I bring this up because that's the inspiration for the name of our podcast, Third and Manageable. I got to watch a lot of Peyton Manning games, and in his interviews, Peyton Manning would often talk about the one thing that he's really looking for in any particular drive at any particular time is just to try to get to third and manageable. When you get to that third and three, That's when you can run, you can do a short pass, you can surprise everyone, do a deep pass, play action. The board is open for you. So, we are the third and manageable podcast, your podcast for all things NFL, roll even.
1: Yes, we are, and uh, our third co-host is uh, not here at the moment, Dan Hanks, but uh, we're going to take it home for you and talk about the Denver Broncos, we're going to talk about the most recent NFL signings, and... uh, Really, whatever comes to mind.
0: That's right. So, starting off, something that I think that we have to cover is something very near and dear to my heart, and that is the great Denver Broncos quarterback situation.
1: See, the problem is you said the word "great" there, and I'm not quite certain that's the direction you want to go.
0: <laughs> Probably not. So, the Denver Broncos traded for Joe Flacco. Uh, Joe Flacco is not known as an elite quarterback he is a statue of a quarterback he does have a big arm though I appreciate that about him especially in the Denver air the mile high air you're going to see a lot of highlight plays down the field if he can stay standing
1: again I'm Not so sure you're paying attention to your verbiage there, because when you speak about quarterbacks that are statue-like, they tend to get injured, which means they're not on the field. Second of all, aging quarterbacks, much like Joe Flacco, tend to lose the zip on the ball, which is the first thing to go when any aging quarterback happens. And to be specific, I don't really recognize any skill position players on the Denver Broncos that are true deep threats. Manuel Sanders, not a deep threat. Cortland Sutton, not a deep threat. And Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, and others, they are just simply unproven. So, what's your take on that, Shem?
0: Well, damn it. Let me have a chance to dream over here about our Super Bowl aspirations.
1: Listen here. Your dreams have to be based in reality. You can't be talking about Super Bowls every time because. It's just not It's just not plausible. Even the Patriots don't go to the Super Bowl every year. I mean, right, almost maybe. every year. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but still not every year.
0: So last year, the Denver Broncos had, well, not just last year. The last three years, they've had one of the worst quarterback situations. Well, last year, they spent a lot of money bringing in Case Keenum, who was a below average starter his entire career, uh, a journeyman backup, who did well in Minnesota for one year, where he just didn't turn the ball over, and then he goes to Denver, and he remembers, that's right, I actually do like throwing the ball to the other team quite a bit.
1: Yeah, see, it's definitely a problem when, as a Broncos fan, you're remembering the good old days of Kyle Orton and Jake Plummer. (laughs) Case Keenum was worth a lot of money, but that's about all that he was worth. He definitely didn't get the ball into the end zone. He struggled to keep the ball out of the opposing team's hands. And he didn't seem to have any sense of recognition when the pressure was coming, considering that offensive line was banged up all season long. Now, you can chalk that up to scheme. The Denver Broncos got rid of Vance Joseph and the whole crew of that coaching staff for Denver. But ultimately... The fault relies in the player to get the plays done that have been called. And Case Keenum just didn't do that, so that's why he's gonna be starting in Washington next year for the Redskins.
0: Yes, the uh, Washington professional football team as a new starting quarterback in Case Keenum.
1: And luckily it didn't cost him that much in money or in draft picks, but sadly for Broncos fans, that also means you didn't recuperate really any money back that you spent on Case Keenum, nor did you get a strong draft asset back in return for trading a quarterback.
0: Yeah, especially because the Broncos have agreed to pick up half of his salary for next year. So the Broncos are paying Case Keenum just to not be in Denver anymore.
1: Yeah, that's definitely sad when you're paying another player 3 to $4 million to play for another team. Now, luckily, I don't think the Washington Redskins are playing the Denver Broncos this year. But still, you, you have a hard time trusting the management situation when uh, you're, you're paying other teams to play against you.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's move on to something worse than the Broncos, which is the Oakland Raiders. So last week, we did our practice podcast where the three of us all talked about the Oakland Raiders being the destination for Antonio Brown. Going forward. We were all geniuses, because that's exactly what happened. But not until after Antonio Brown decided that he did not want to be a mighty Bill of Buffalo, which, I'll be honest, I, I don't blame you, Antonio Brown.
1: Yeah, I agree on the, with you the, on that. Uh, uh, we were all on uh, the same page regarding Antonio Brown and Oakland. It just seemed like the right fit. Um, but what about those other signings with Oakland? I mean, they seem to be tooling up quite often, so uh, maybe we shouldn't be speaking with them as the lowest team in the division, which they were last year, but they're definitely not on that swing uh, this time around. Just today, they signed Tyrell Williams. I mean, how's that pairing going to go, considering they still already have Jordy Nelson on contract for this year?
0: Yeah, well, I expect Jordy Nelson will not be on contract for much longer, with Tyrell Williams now being in the fold. And I really see Tyrell Williams as being that deep threat going forward for the Raiders. And I was watching the NFL Network, and it was Derek Carr, right? Which one was the Houston Texan?
1: David Carr. David
0: Carr. The horrible Houston Texan. (laughs) David Carr was on there talking about his brother and how he's a good checkdown quarterback. And they were showing all these highlights of Ben Roethlisberger being very successful throwing Antonio Brown the ball one yard uh, upfield and Antonio Brown making a spectacular play and taking it to the house. And so that's what his point was going forward would be that's what uh, the younger brother's future will hold. Tyrell Williams is pretty interesting because you can air it out with him quite a bit.
1: Yeah, but a zebra can't change its stripes. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was able to dump it off for a yard to Antonio Brown, who then runs it for the remaining 59 yards for a touchdown because Ben Roethlisberger is known to throw the ball down the field. I mean, you could insert several names here, whether it's Martavius Bryan in the past, uh, whether it was Santonio Holmes, Plexico Burris. Mike Wallace was another strong deep threat for many years when Pittsburgh... So Ben Roethlisberger had a reputation of throwing the ball down the field. The problem is when you're a check down Charlie, like an Alex Smith, teams strategize against you and, and they know that that's your strength. So Derek Carr really needs to show that he can be that long term, uh, uh, excuse me, not long term, uh, deep threat down the field to, to make those passes 50, 60 yards down the field, 30, 40 yards down the field, rather than just checking it down to Jalen Rashard, or checking it down to Jared Cook. He, he, he needs to develop his game, or otherwise everybody's just going to play eight men in the box against him. And uh, what fruits is that going to bring?
0: Yeah, I think this makes the uh, Raiders pretty formidable going forward. Also, let's remember that they signed a new offensive lineman. Is it Trent Brown?
1: Trent, Trent Brown, yes. Oh,
0: Trent Brown from formerly the New England Patriots, who before that was playing right tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, came over to the Patriots. They moved him to left tackle because of their own injuries. And once again, Bill Belichick got someone paid.
1: Yeah, the Oakland Raiders are looking to have maybe not the best offensive line, but they're definitely going to have the biggest. I mean, Trent Brown is 6'8", 340 pounds, yes. if, I'm, if I'm remembering that correctly. And uh, Colton Miller, who played left tackle last year, is moving to right tackle now. And that guy is 6'7", 325. Now, uh, another move that happened with Oakland was they traded away uh, Kalecki Assemeli to the New York Jets. I hope I'm saying that name correctly.
0: I like saying Asimeli. So.
1: Assemeli Well, a Kalecki Assemeli is a guard that started a... a I believe all 16 games last year, but he is now a New York Jet. It was kind of a cap casualty and also trying to get a little bit younger. The guy has a lot of miles on his body, but it definitely creates a hole in that Oakland offensive line. And when you're talking guard position, you're also talking about the rushing attack. And considering the Oakland Raiders lost out on the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes, uh, what are they going to do with the running back position? Because Marshawn Lynch is definitely long on the tooth as well.
0: My first thought was that Le'Veon Bell was going to go to Oakland. Did not happen. Then I thought they were going to get Kevin Coleman. Also did not happen. So the next best running back available, TJ Yeldon?
1: Possibly TJ Yeldon, but uh, don't discount Oakland to be put out of the Jordan Howard sweepstakes mm-hmm. now that Chicago has said that he is on the trading block. I would say the next best running back that's on the board... Um, He's a little bit older, former Denver Bronco, but what about C.J. Anderson?
0: Had a good playoff run, good last couple weeks of the NFL season, showing that he could be a 1,000-yard running back again. His problem is his health, so he can't really touch the rock as many times as uh, John Cruden might want him to. Now, a potential name would be the running back from Alabama, to potentially get drafted by Oakland uh, later in the first round. Is it Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs?
1: I think you're right on that. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I would imagine that they're they're going to add somebody, whether it's in the first round or even in the mid to late rounds, uh, somebody's going to get drafted by the Oakland Raiders. There's just uh, too much instability at that position. But they're hanging on to Jalen Richard. They put on a... a, a, a Franchise tender on him and nobody's picked that up yet. So it's looking like he's gonna be an Oakland Raider for 2019 Technically, they still have Doug Martin who did well down the stretch after Marshawn Lynch went down with that groin injury But I still think they need somebody big to really take the the pounding up front like run the ball through that two three four yards straight at the middle to be that goal line back I don't see Doug Martin as the long-term solution in any stretch of the imagination. Whether it's through the draft or free agency, somebody is coming to Oakland. That's, that's guaranteed.
0: Well, and I just remembered, too, that C.J. Anderson was actually signed by the Oakland Raiders for about a minute and got cut during the middle of the season, so he might not actually want to go back to Oakland.
1: Possibly not, but, I mean, he, he definitely did prove himself uh, when he went to L.A., not so much in Carolina, just because the, the opportunities weren't there. And maybe he succeeded in L.A. due to the offensive line. I mean, they had a lot of good guys up front, whether it was uh, Sullivan and, and Saffold. Those guys were, were, were mammoths. They were, they were making big holes for him to run through. But he's, he's going to get signed by somebody.
0: Well, they can always make a trade for Devontae Booker. I wouldn't say no.
1: That's certain.
0: So, uh, let's move on to a different team, and let's just take this team as a whole. The Cleveland Browns are gotta be the favorite to win the division right now. I saw that the Vegas odds had them only four teams were ahead of them in terms of likelihood to actually win the Super Bowl next year, so the mighty browns of cleveland you guys have a bright future coming in this year
1: yeah and those four teams that were above them were the four teams that were the ones and twos for the playoffs last year the patriots the chiefs the rams and the saints only those four teams according to vegas have better odds to reach the super bowl and win the super bowl next year Th- that's just too wild to believe right now. I, th- the Vegas odds makers, they're, they're, they're smoking something that's not elite, that's not legal in Nevada right now. So uh, Cleveland, yes, they have added a ton of people right now. They traded for Olivier Vernon with the Giants. They traded for uh, Odell Beckham Jr. with the Giants. They've, they've repaired the offensive or defensive line by getting Sheldon Richardson as well. And the the skill positions is just looking insane right now. But the names don't always translate to wins. And people really got to be concerned about the chemistry of this team trying to come together and also the inexperience of a coach. They promoted a quarterback's coach from a failed regime in Hugh Jackson to the position of head coach. Freddie Kitchens is now going to have to manage a domestic violence guy in Kareem Hunt, who they don't know when he's going to be back, he's going to have to manage the personalities of Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. There seems to be kind of an issue here. I would agree that on the surface, the Browns look like the winners of the division. But to go all the way to the Super Bowl and beyond, uh, I'm definitely not buying it. We saw last year how how Sean McVay just got dwarfed by the coaching prowess of Bill Belichick when it comes to the Super Bowl, Freddie Kitchens is going to run into that wall as well. Just like every first-year coach does, it's just it's a rite of passage. Coaches have to go through this. It's a big difference between calling plays and managing a skill position as opposed to clock management when the t- when the game goes into the clutch position. So I'm not, I'm not sold on the Browns is what I'm trying to say. But, I mean, what, what do you think, Shem?
0: Well, that was going to be my big question for you was, can Freddie Kitchens manage to manage his kitchen at the uh, level that's going to be required to actually win? I was in Denver watching the Denver-Cleveland Browns game, and I was impressed by that Browns team. But I wasn't sure if that was because the Broncos were just that bad. Baker Mayfield also will have to take a leap from being a talented young player to an elite option for them to make a deep run in the playoffs. Now, the counter to that would be look at what Jared Goff was able to do. And I don't think anyone doubts at this point that Baker Mayfield is more talented than jerry goff you might i think that baker mayfield has an outstanding future going forward but they've got to make this work the obj trade was great in my mind because you pair him back with jarvis landry two teammates from lsu they've got david and joku still at tight end a very talented former first round pick and they got chubb but also at some point kareem Hunt can be on their team as well as Duke Johnson Jr. still there. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of options on both sides of the ball. Now, one move that they did have to make was to give up Jabril Peppers. So I don't know what their back of their uh, defense is going to look like, because he did eliminate a lot of mistakes.
1: Yes, he did. And not only that, but he was also their special teams returner for punts and occasionally kickoffs as well. So he was definitely a multifaceted player, but to answer your question, Freddie Kitchens is certainly not ready to handle all of these personalities. Now, maybe he comes out and he, he grows quickly and he's able to compensate for that. But just on the surface right now, I don't think really any coach in the league is ready to handle all of these personalities at once and all of the, the situations that are going on with the Cleveland Browns. And as you just mentioned, Jabril Peppers is gone. That's another member of the secondary that is saying sayonara. So what is the solution there? Because if you remember correctly, there was a game last year with the Cleveland Browns where they played against the Kansas City Chiefs. And Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, for the entire game, were lighting up the field. The Kansas City Chiefs had a terrible defense last year, and it really showed. Uh, Baker Mayfield had the best game of his career against the Kansas City Chiefs. What you don't want to see is that the Cleveland Browns are moving towards that Kansas City Chiefs arena where they're just scoring a bunch of points and they're not playing defense. So what is the solution now in the secondary? You have Denzel Ward who made the Pro Bowl last year, but you just gave up your best safety. I mean, there's still several other positions to fill here. Uh, What are the Cleveland Browns thinking?
0: We are going to outscore every single team. That's (laughs) what they're thinking. It's score points, score points, score points. And they do have one of the elite pass-rushing teams right now. You said they added Olivier Vernon, they added Sheldon Richardson, and obviously having Miles Garrett. They are going to be very formidable as a pass-rushing team. Now, to be a good pass-rushing team, your corners and your defensive backs have to buy time, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that. We might. I think the Kansas City Chiefs uh, analogy was really good because D. Ford had a really good year, got a bunch of sacks, but it doesn't mean that their defensive backs were good.
1: Absolutely not.
0: All right. So the Patriots. When I saw this deal happen, all all I thought was, oh, "Man, the Patriots did it again." They traded from the Eagles, they got Michael Bennett. And when I saw this deal happen, I knew Trey Flowers was going to be gone, that they were just going to be replacing him with Michael Bennett. I think that this is uh, potentially a huge deal for the Patriots being able to both forever make it back to the playoffs because the AFC East is terrible and potentially another Super Bowl. So what was your Michael Bennett take?
1: Uh, when I saw the Michael Bennett trade happen, it, it smelled exactly like how the Patriots got Chris Long. It, it, he's a veteran player. You're not expecting him to play every down, but you're expecting him to use that experience that he's accrued over the years. I think it's nine years in the NFL. And you're expecting him to come into those clutch situations and come in for a sack or at least a quarterback hurry on those third down situations when it's third and eight, third and six, third and twelve. So it, that experience really matters in those situations because that's when all of your younger players tend to get a little scatterbrained. And if you could insert the right veterans into this, into just just the right situations, uh, it, it, that's where the 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 Patriots. They, they really make their, their meat on that one.
0: So another veteran was released by the Baltimore Ravens and signed with the L.A. Rams, Eric Weddle. And so the Rams really struggled last year at, well, defense, even though they had some players with big names, Aqib Tlaib, they had and Sue, uh What's Marcus Peters, that's the name I was looking for, Marcus Peters, and obviously Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. And Corey Wilton also had a pretty good season. Let's shout out Corey Wilton. But how does adding Eric Weddle help them going forward?
1: Eric Weddle, and though he has had a stupendous career, I mean, he was definitely somebody that I, I hated watching uh, whenever the Broncos played the San Diego Chargers that are now the Los Angeles Chargers now. Uh, and even the years when he was in, in Baltimore, I mean, the guy has been solid. However, he's at the last end of his career. And this, if anything, seems like a band-aid on a broken leg to me. The Rams have just run out of money. Like, they are are overspending on Todd Gurley, who has bone-on-bone in his knee. They overspent on Brandon Cooks. They're about to overspend on Jared Goff, who's their franchise quarterback and coming up on his fifth year in the NFL. They overspent on Aaron Donald. They traded for Marcus Peters, who is in the latter part of his rookie contract from the Chiefs, so he's making close to 15 to $19 million a year. This really seems like they're trying to bring in an, an aging vet who's been to the Pro Bowl a bunch. He's going to bring a lot of experience to the locker room, but the problem is he doesn't have that it factor anymore. He doesn't have that 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 push anymore. I mean, he has a a desire to win a Super Bowl because he's never been there, but the problem is he just doesn't have it anymore. I mean, you can't trust a 34-year-old safety to play like a 24-year-old safety. There's a huge difference in that mileage on your legs. So I don't understand how this is really an improvement. They just traded, basically, LaMarcus Joyner for Eric Weddle, and the difference between those guys is about seven years, so... They're definitely on the losing end of this.
0: Kansas City signs Carlos Hyde. One-year deal, $2.8 million. Is this something that is of consequence, or is it just filling a veteran need, getting a running back, too?
1: Well, I was really surprised by this. I expected them to add somebody, but I figured it would come through the draft. What I expected them to do was to re-sign Spencer Ware, who has entered free agency, but they they aren't seemingly interested in Spencer Ware right now, which is quite odd to me. I mean, it was only two years ago that the guy rushed for over a 1,000 yards in a season and had an uh, above 4-yard per carry average. So I'm, I'm not quite sure where they're going. Carlos Hyde did not look like... The guy in his first couple of years in San Francisco when he was with Cleveland last year, he definitely didn't look like that guy in Jacksonville in the later part of the season, which could be chalked up to maybe he was still trying to get a part of the scheme. Maybe they weren't using him correctly. But I will say this. Andy Reid is a savant in finding running backs, whether they're young rookies, whether they're aging vets. He knows how to use them correctly, which scares me as a Broncos fan. But at the same time, I do think they need a little extra help because Carlos Hyde, even if Andy Reid uses him correctly and he's doing well, he can only be on the field if he's healthy. Mm. And that's where he's struggled throughout his career.
0: So speaking about Kansas City, I always (laughs) like to see talented Kansas City players leave. So let's (laughs) talk on defense. There is a slew of defenders leaving Kansas City. Yeah,
1: D. Ford has been traded.
0: Traded.
1: Justin Houston has been released. Bye-bye. Eric Berry has been released. Deuces. And if you remember from last year, actually Derek Johnson, who was the longest tenured player on the team, was released before the 2018 season started, and now he's playing in Oakland. So all of your former defensive captains and play callers are gone.
0: It's a great day. I love to see a Kansas City team with a terrible, terrible defense. And it's bad. I mean, there's who are the playmakers now on that Kansas City team?
1: Well, I think they're really hoping for a change in scheme here because uh, Steve Spagnola is the new defensive coordinator in Kansas City. He's changing the culture from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 defense, which means four down linemen, three linebackers for you non-football listening people, which you're not because you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) So uh, they're really banking on Anthony Hitchens to be that guy that they got from uh, Dallas last year. And he played really well during the 2018 season, but he was kind of out of place. So that's why they're thinking this scheme is going to help him. And also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they have Breland Speaks, who they're expecting to move from 3-4 outside linebacker to that down lineman on the 4-3 line, and uh, also Reggie Ragland, who they got from the draft last year, I think in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So uh, those are the three playmakers right now, but... Even at that, they're, they're losing guys very quickly. Another name is Steven Nelson, who mm. left Kansas City. He started all 16 games last year. And, well, he's going to be starting games for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year.
0: Well, someone has to start for Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, so everyone loves a good reunion story, especially in sports. So let's talk about a reunion story. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have traded Deshaun Jackson back to Philadelphia. Who does this help?
1: Is it, is it possible to say neither in this situation? I was
0: hoping you were going to say Carson Wentz. It will help Carson Wentz a lot.
1: Oh, Carson Wentz. Okay, well, that's, that's uh, not where I was going at all. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson is, or should I say was, a really good player for the Philadelphia Eagles. The problem is Deshaun Jackson is several years removed from when he was elite with the Philadelphia Eagles. It has been a consistent downgrade year by year from when he was with Philadelphia to when he was with Washington to now when he was with, or not now, but when he was with Tampa Bay to now he's returning to Philly. I don't know what Philadelphia was thinking. I mean, why do you get rid of Golden Tate who could put up the same kind of numbers in the same type of position for a Deshaun Jackson. That doesn't seem like an upgrade to me. And in fact, I think you could have gotten Golden Tate for a cheaper price than what you're gonna be paying Deshaun Jackson after this trade. It, it makes no sense to me. What, what are the Philadelphia Eagles thinking?
0: <laughs> That's always the question, right? Golden Tate, I actually really like Golden Tate and I really like him in that Carson Wentz system where he wants to do a lot of check down passes and just check you, check you, check you into being a little bit lazy, and then launch a deep pass. Or get out and run, and that's where Philadelphia is really good at. That's how Nick Foles was able to win a Super Bowl. He checked down his way to a Super Bowl, and you get Deshaun Jackson, who's a burner. He's got one route on the route tree, and that is vertical. And as guys get older, they lose their speed. And so that's my question with Deshaun Jackson. Is is he even going to be effective? He wasn't effective in Tampa Bay. And granted, I blame uh, Jameis Winston for some of that. But I, I don't know what Philly's doing with Deshaun Jackson other than everyone likes a reunion story. I like that Ichiro went back to the Mariners. Doesn't mean that it was the right deal. It just made me feel good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, and... That's what happens with uh, a lot of times what makes you feel good is not what's good for you. So it really kind of seems like this is a move where the Eagles are kind of running off the last little bit of that coattails from that Super Bowl run that they had and just trying to stay relevant in the conversation. But truthfully, they're not in a bad position. They've gotten rid of some contracts on the defensive end. They picked up a couple of other guys and... Well, as long as Carson Wentz can stay healthy, they can stay relevant in that NFC East. Because really, the only competition that they have is the Dallas Cowboys. The problem is, the Dallas Cowboys are looking very, very formidable with Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, I mean, uh, now Amari Cooper.
0: That linebacking core?
1: Holy cow, my goodness. And did you notice that they restructured Sean Lee's contract so that even though he can't play every down like he used to, which he never could because he couldn't stay healthy, but that experience is going to stay on the field and help Jalen Smith keep growing. Uh, Not to mention the fact, I mean, Jason Witten is coming out of the sound booth to come (laughs) and help the Cowboys make it to a Super Bowl. That's the plan in Dallas, but I don't see that Philly's making the right kinds of moves to put themselves into position. They have a great team around them. I mean, they have Carson Wentz. As long as he can stay healthy, I mean, that man is a stud.
0: Well, and you didn't mention the Washington professional football team got better with Case Keenum, huh? Right?
1: See, it's kind of a stretch to call the Washington professional (laughs) football team considering I'm pretty sure the last time they won a division was... I mean, was was Patrick Ramsey the quarterback last time they won the division?
0: Did, did they not win the division with uh, RG3 when he had his MVP year? Uh, well, I guess rookie of the
1: year year. Uh, see, I, 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 I'm not going to count that even oh, if it did happen. Because, I mean, he was a rookie of the year, whatever. I mean, Vince Young looked good in his first year. Yeah,
0: that's fair. All right, so let's talk about what you do... If you are a New England patriot and or a former New England patriot and New England doesn't want to pay you money anymore, where would you go?
1: Well, I mean, if I'm speaking for myself, if I was a New England patriot and I'm not one anymore, I'm assuming that I've made some money and I'm going to go buy an island around Tahiti Mm -hmm. because that's what you do when you have money. But if you're talking about a specific player that's no longer there anymore, for example, like a Trey Flowers, who is in Detroit. That guy has just made a pile of cash. But the problem is, you just went from the nine-time Super Bowl-appearing Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, to the Detroit Lions. And you can insert any name here, whether it's I mean, Detroit anything, and they haven't been good in a while. So I'm not quite sure that was the right move on Trey Flowers' pact, but, uh, I mean, he definitely made a lot of money.
0: Is he better than... Ezekiel Ansah that they will probably
1: lose see I'm not quite ready to make that prediction yet I I I would assume yes because Ezekiel Ansah had his issues with health and staying on the field so you got to assume that a player that can stay healthy is going to perform better than a player that's on IR but at the same time if you're talking about just statistics across the board of I mean how many sacks a player can get per game on average? How many tackles a player can get on average? Like what is their production when they're on the field? I'm not quite sure that Trey Flowers is really an upgrade because we've seen time and time again when the Patriots let go of a player, his shelf life is maybe two years. Maybe. I mean, you saw the how uh, the Patriots just quickly got rid of Jamie Collins when they decided that, well, you're not productive anymore. What was Adelius Thomas's production like after the New England Patriots got rid of him? I mean, the guy was retired in three years, and he was young. He was in his 20s. How about Gerard Mayo? When the Patriots decided that Gerard Mayo, another linebacker, he was no longer a part of our plans the guy was out of the league almost instantaneously it doesn't matter what position whether it's tight end whether it's linebacker whether it's defensive line when the patriots get rid of you bill belichick smells something and i trust his nose over almost anybody in the league
0: and bill belichick is almost ruthless in his not bringing back guys once he feels like they're they're done that they have nothing more to give them that's true <laughs> And so Trey Flowers goes to the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia trying to build the New England Patriots of the NFC North. They also bring back Danny Amendola, or bring in Danny Amendola to the Lions. How does he fit in their system? Are they going to part ways with Marvin Jones?
1: I'm not quite sure that they're going to part ways with Marvin Jones. I think that guy is still a decent deep threat on the outside but I certainly see this as a upgrade for Kenny Galladay. Anybody that has Kenny Galladay on their uh, Fantasy Dynasty leagues, you're gonna wanna hang on to that guy because it seems like he's gonna be moving from the inside to the outside, whereas Amendola is gonna move into that slot position where he's done so well over the years, whether it was with St. Louis or LA, whether it's been with Miami, whether it's been with New England, he does his best work in the slot those five to six yard passes that he receives and then runs it for another seven to twelve
0: yeah and we also know a story from last year where matt patricia tried to get rob gronkowski traded to the detroit lions and gronk said well i'll retire instead of going to detroit
1: (laughs) (laughs) smart move on gronk he
0: he was hanging out with barry sanders for too long uh so I know one name that's been connected with the Lions is T.J. Hawkinson from Iowa in the draft at potentially number eight for them. Uh, would that make sense for them to add a big Gronk-type tight end that early in the draft?
1: Uh, I mean, that would definitely be a good move in, in that regard because T.J. Hawkinson is not just a pass catcher but the guy can run block very well. The problem that I see is eight is very high for a tight end. Unless you're really wanting to run the ball, which they kind of did a little bit more than usual with on Johnson last year. But Detroit has not been historically known for a running team until you go back to, you know, 1991 with Barry Sanders. I'm not quite sure that TJ Hawkinson is is the right move here. I think you already said it. Marvin Jones may be on the move. Maybe Detroit drafts another wide receiver in the first round.
0: Well, DK Metcalf has the body of a god, so maybe he'll go.
1: That <laughs> <time>. <laughs> he does have that, and uh, he he would be a, a, a very staunch improvement to really anybody on that uh, wide receiving core team.
0: When we were talking about the Eagles, uh, I forgot one of the signings that they've made We're recording this on... Wednesday, March 13th, and there's quite a bit that's happened. As we said early on, I am a Denver Broncos fan, and one of the great moments of my life is probably uh, number three, making a shot to win a championship. Number two, maybe hmm, I should probably say proposing to my fiance or else she'll get mad at me, but She'd probably
1: that uh, You should probably move that up to number one, just so you're not sleeping on the couch. Oh, no, no, no.
0: Number one is definitely Super Bowl 50. Number one, and one of the key moments of Super Bowl 50 is Malik Jackson jumping on the ball in the end zone and scoring a defensive touchdown, and Malik Jackson cashed in that offseason, got paid by Jacksonville. Believe he was the highest-paid like Jacksonville player ever at that point.
1: See, I see where you're going with this. You're going to be start talking about how Malik Jackson is now signed with the Philadelphia Eagles and how they're pairing him with Fletcher Cox. Mm. I'm seeing the connection now.
0: Yes, and so we talked already about Michael Bennett, and it seems like they've replaced him rather nicely in Malik Jackson. A guy who gives you a strong interior pass rush can protect against the run as well. Personally, I like Malik Jackson more than Michael Bennett because, well, Malik Jackson was a former Bronco.
1: Well, I would say he's more of an upgrade from not Michael Bennett, but Tim Jernigan. Mm -hmm. who uh, It's escaping my memory of where he's actually signed yet. Maybe he's unsigned, actually. But uh, Malik Jackson is... I would say, and maybe I'm a little biased because I'm also a Broncos fan, but Malik Jackson was a stud for the Denver Broncos. He's been a stud for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, this was one year ago where the Jacksonville Jaguars had all four defensive linemen had 10 plus sacks, 10 plus sacks from all four of your defensive linemen. That's what Malik Jackson can bring to the table from the defensive tackle position. You don't expect 10 sacks a game, not a game, but 10 sacks a season from a defensive tackle unless your name is Aaron Donald. Malik Jackson brings that to the table and pairing him with Fletcher Cox was brilliant.
0: Oh yeah, it's gonna be very, very difficult to block both of them coming up the middle. And they still have Chris Long who gives you a little bit of something. Uh, I don't know if they still have Halobi Nada on contract anymore, but I know that they did. And you saw the Eagles over the last couple of years really invest in a lot of pass rushers, where they just want this continuous line of guys coming in and out of the lineup, and you always have fresh legs going after the quarterback. (laughs)
1: Well, from the reports that I've read, it looks like Haloti Nada is either retiring or moving on, which makes sense. I mean, he's getting a little bit older now. He spent a great number of years in Baltimore, had a little stint in Detroit, and now he's in Philly. But he's he's probably heading towards retirement, I would say. Maybe they bring him back for one more year, kind of a swan song kind of deal. But uh, the other guy on the end opposite Chris Long that I would expect to have a great year... Is Brandon Graham, who they signed with a three-year extension. Now, this guy has been improving year to year to year. I would not consider him in really the top five of pass rushers, but I I would put his name in the top ten. He's he's very strong. He's he's got that edge position. He he works on his finesse move. He's got power moves. So he, he, he's not something that I would worry about unless I was a quarterback that was facing him.
0: I also uh, saw on the free agent movement or just general NFL transactions that Jermaine Gresham was cut, which made me think, oh, Jermaine Gresham still plays football. <laughs> uh, so the 49ers are preparing for what everyone's expecting to be a strong bounce back year getting Jimmy Garoppolo back, uh, making a couple of other moves, and one of them being Kwan Alexander. So Kwan Alexander was paid by the 49ers to the tune of four years, $54 million, 27 of that being guaranteed. Now, one take that I heard was that this price, is a result of swinging and missing on Reuben Foster. I actually really like that uh, Reuben Foster draft pick when it happened. I thought that he was gonna be a missing cog for that 49ers team, but his off the field issues got him cut. And all of a sudden they had to bring in Kwan Alexander from Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who if we remember from Hard Knocks, has hair that looks like fire cheetos
1: well i'm not quite sure about the whole fire cheetos thing but i will definitely agree with you that Kavon alexander is a huge upgrade from reuben foster any of you san francisco 49ers fans out there have got to be very excited that he is on your team this guy is not only a staunch run stopper but he's one of those guys that's a captain on the field. He can call the plays from the booth that's coming into him through his headset. But let's not discount the fact that they also made another move, the San Francisco 49ers, in trading for D. Ford. They only gave up a second round pick for a guy that had 13 and a half sacks last year. Now they're gonna be spending a lot of money on the defensive side in that linebacker court. But I have also read multiple reports that the San Francisco 49ers are not done yet, that they are still looking to add more pass rushers on that defensive side for that 3-4 defense. They've already got Kavon Alexander to be their captain, their their play caller in the middle. They got D Ford on one side, but don't discount the fact that they're going to be in that Nick Bosa or Queen and Williams market when draft comes around. Because that off that defensive line is going to look very staunch. Remember when the 49ers looked formidable with Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis and Alden Smith? I'm pretty sure that's what the San Francisco 49ers are going to look like in 2019.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the weirdest parts about this upcoming draft season. Is the Arizona Cardinals look like they're going to be taking Kyler Murray when the clear best player in the draft, at least to me, is Nick Bosa. And all of a sudden, the 49ers are sitting there at number two thinking, yeah, okay, yeah, I think we'll take Nick Bosa. I think we'll go we'll go there. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm really hoping that you're wrong here because, I mean, I want to hope for the best out of every team. I mean, unless your name is the Denver Broncos, in which case you get the best. <laughs> but the Arizona Cardinals would be making such a terrible decision in moving on from josh rosen after one year there is no quarterback no quarterback to name where you can say that after one year you're already ready to pull the plug and move on from him you got to give a guy a chance to grow i mean don't you remember jared goff and how terrible he looked in his first year and one then, of
0: the worst years ever by any player by any
1: player was his rookie was his rookie year he looked horrible horrible when he came in. And then the very next year he takes his team and wins the division and they got eliminated in the playoffs. The very next year after that was last year. They go to the Super Bowl. I mean, where would the Arizona Cardinals look if they move on from Josh Rosen to Kyler Murray? And it it, it just doesn't make sense to me that they would move on from a quarterback that they Didn't they trade up in the draft to get Josh Rosen?
0: Yeah. Uh, So the argument, too, is that right now, uh, whether it be Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, I prefer Dwayne Haskins to Kyler Murray or Drew Locke. Those three quarterbacks who are projected first rounders are all listed in terms of their scouting report going into the draft below Josh Rosen. If Josh Rosen would have stayed in school for another year, if he was able to, Josh Rosen would be the highest-rated quarterback in this draft. So why would you pass on maybe developing Kyle or uh, Josh Rosen under that Cliff Kingsbury system? Even the Arizona Cardinals hiring Cliff Kingsbury to begin with was a pretty terrible idea, but... Uh, To punt on Josh Rosen this early in his career is a mistake, especially because you would be giving up on Nick Bosa, a guy who looks like a perennial pro bowler.
1: Well, and not only that, but you could pair Nick Bosa with who? Chandler Jones, who is just a year removed from having a 20-plus sack season. So imagine how the pass rush could look if you drafted Nick Bosa number one and paired him with Chandler Jones. It looks beautiful on paper, but granted, I mean, everything looks good on paper.
0: Right, even uh, Joe Flacco looks good on paper, right? Uh, right?
1: Let, let's, let's not go that far. I mean, unless you're talking about one of those abstract kind of paintings. I
0: well, <laughs> Our Picasso, Joe Flacco. All right. So one of my favorite safeties in football is Landon Collins. And I was really hoping that Elway would back that brick truck up and pay Landon Collins. Well, that didn't happen. The Washington sometimes professional football team was the one to do
1: that. I'm thinking one thing right now. I'm trying to make some break sounds with my mouth. And Landon Collins is a very good player. He's very young. But he was so expensive for the Washington Redskins. Did you see the contract that they had to give him?
0: Six years, 84 million, 45 guaranteed.
1: Okay, but that's not the worst of it. If you look at the contract, hardly any of it is guaranteed in the first few years. Most of the contract is pushed towards the later part of it. So let's just say, hypothetically, Landon Collins finds out that he has hip problems, back problems, knee problems. I mean, that kinda happens with safeties. And then for the six years, the Washington Redskins are paying him when he's gone. That was not a right move. Denver was in a similar position in cap space with the Washington Redskins. They had about $37 million to spend and the Washington Redskins had nearly $20 million. So they would have had to do a similar deal for Landon Collins. Now I'm gonna put this back to you, Shem. Tell me a reason why the Denver Broncos should avoid Landon Collins, which they've already done, thankfully, and instead, Maybe they're moving closer towards Ha Ha Clinton Dix.
0: Well, I like Ha Ha Clinton Dix for no other reason than his name. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Now, I preferred the idea, or at least I preferred Mm. the idea of Landon Collins because he played a little bit more of that traditional strong safety where he was a guy where you could send up in blitz where you could do a little bit more run tackling in the box with him and haha ha Clinton Dix always strikes me as maybe a more free safety type safety where you have in the back where Justin Simmons right now that's his best role is playing that traditional free safety
1: well we've had this conversation many years for many times before and uh, the truth is, Denver wouldn't have to worry about having two free safeties playing coverage all the time if they would just invest in getting a middle linebacker. Finally, the Denver Broncos have gotten rid of Brandon Marshall, who was a fantastic stopgap. I'll say that. That was the nicest thing I can say about Brandon Marshall but the guy does not inspire any kind of fear to the other side of the ball. Is it too much to ask for Denver to finally draft somebody that reminds me of John Mobley, that reminds me of Al Wilson, that reminds me of DJ Williams, where somebody I know for a fact is gonna stay healthy the entire year and get me a hundred tackles per season. He's just gonna sniff out every single run play and he's gonna smash that running back into the ground. It's time for Denver to get themselves a mean, a mean son of a bitch at middle linebacker and just solve that problem entirely. And then you can finally have two free safeties back there. Guys that are gonna play a true cover two, And they're gonna jump out one side to the left, and one side to the right, and they're going to intercept everything or knock the ball away at every given chance. Fine, have Justin Simmons and HaHa Clinton Ditts in the the passing game, because we have everything solved up front. Where is that guy? Show me where that guy is.
0: And so I'm really hoping that the Denver Broncos, at number 10 overall pick, that Devin White of LSU falls to them. And if they don't get Devin White, that they get Devin Bush, that they get that true middle linebacker guy who will be that leader of the defense for the next decade.
1: Absolutely. Devin White, Devin Bush, I don't care what your name is. Maybe the guy's already on the roster in Josie Jewell. But I want to see either those guys that are drafted or the people that are already on the team truly step up and just be that mean ray lewis junior seau patrick willis type that inspires fear to the opposing quarterback posing running back to the opposing offensive coordinator make it happen
0: yeah and with all the safeties right now that have already been signed ha ha clinton Dix probably is the best safety available i would, gladly I would agree take ha ha clinton Dix at this point because everyone else is gone uh-huh. Uh, so we will see what John Elway does and John we trust this concludes part 1 of 3rd and Manageable's free agent frenzy in part 2 we finish up all the crazy things that happened over a 2 day span this has been a production of Values First